Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation Voyager. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Welcome to the show, Adam, and welcome to my home studio. Thanks for having me, Ben. You've got gnats swirling around your head because I have a weird gnat problem in here right now. It didn't take long to regret the choice of (laughs) of coming out here. You really do have an infestation of some kind. It's crazy. There's like, for every gnat, there's a daddy long legs. And then below every daddy long legs met, there's a pile of gnat corpses. And it's like... I, I like that the Daddy Longlegs are killing the gnats, but they are making a mess while doing it. And also, too many spiders! A couple of times ago, I came over and recorded in person, and I went home, and I had bug bites on my ankles. Oh, yeah. And I was like, there's no way that that came from Ben's studio. And then I, and then I hit my ankles with, uh, with bug spray, <laughs> you know, the DEET. <laughs> uh, no, no bug bites that time. I'm here to tell you I came back. No bug spray. So we're going to really A-B this one today. Wow. Okay. See, see if it's happening. You ever get your the ankles bitten in here? I do. The, this is right next to my undeveloped backyard. My backyard is just a pit of dirt and concrete debris and broken bricks yeah. and uh, lots and lots of creepy crawlies. Only Agent Orange could clear your backyard. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. A lot lot of the outside comes in in this room. (laughs) Um, I love your office, by the way. This is going to sound like like me shitting on your office. Your office situation is way better than mine. I'm really happy about it. There are some drawbacks, but I'm working toward a better situation. But something else I wanted to talk about, A being Adam. Oh, God. You you said you had an open for today's show, and we didn't talk about it. Now I feel like you're really springing it on me. Well, we have uh, kind of a, a standing issue, which is that you've come out here several times uh-huh. to record. Yeah. And afterwards, I've been like, hey, let's go get burgers at the really good burger place yeah. in my neighborhood after we record. Uh-huh. Tonight, we have plans to go see a comedy show. Uh-huh. We've got to record, and we've got a couple hours to kill in between recording uh-huh. and comedy show. Yeah. It's a night where the burger restaurant is open, Adam. I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. We may put Burger Gate to to an end. Several times in a row, several restaurants in a row even. It's not just the burger place. <laughs> it's it's once we realize the burger place is closed, you're like, "Oh yeah, I got a plan B for this." Plan B also closed. Yeah. Well, you have typically come out And you did this to out- Danny out at out at Star Trek Las Vegas too. You're like, "We got to <laughs> got to go to Lotus Siam. Lotus Siam, one of the great restaurants, yeah. closed." You, it should sh- show you on the map when you book the the car that the place you're going is closed. Yeah. That seemed like some dirty pool is what it seemed like. Lyft got like an extra $30 out of me because we went to a false peak that first time. Danny Baduela from Max Fun, he was out at Star Trek Las Vegas. One of the great friends that we've got and a friend of DeSoto was like, yeah, has this ever happened to you? Like, has Ben ever taken you out to a meal and the place is closed? <laughs> and I was like, oh, brother. And I just put my arm over around his shoulder like, you have no idea the club you've just joined. <laughs> He's really joined an elite yeah. group. Um, in, in my defense, 
as far as Las Vegas goes. Uh, we not did, your home turf. Not my home turf, and I did not know that that uh, restaurant had closed. I hope that that's a temporary thing. I hope so that's, too. That's a really great Thai restaurant in yeah. Vegas, like yeah, world class. And uh, I'd be really sad to see that go away for good. Yeah. And in my defense, here when we went to the burger place the last time, they had just changed their hours because they had like COVID hours where they were like not open for three days of the week. And I thought that they had changed it to they were closed Mondays and open every other day, but it's that they were closed Tuesdays and open every other day. I would gladly pay them for a burger today for a burger I could have today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I tell you what, before we go over there uh, in anticipation of comedy show, I'm going to give them a call. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to make sure that they're actually open. That's... (laughs) You should call him on the show. <laughs> Just go. Let's do it. Hey, it's a greatest generation. You're on the air. <laughs> you've you've got a fake radio show where you do those kind of calls all the time. Plug I, your phone I, into the board. I, Let's I get do, it going. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rope a, a an unknowing, an unwitting. You know what? There's no bits on tips, Adam, and that's so close to being a bit on a tip. That's very true. We, uh, have, we have hard and fast rules about such things. Yeah. Anytime somebody is listening to K-Pod 101.3 and hears us call a business, uh, that's a friend of uh, of ours or more likely Dan Kennedy recording it himself and then pitch shifting his voice to sound weird. Nice plug. You did, you did all the things, Ben. You said the name of the show. You said the name of your co-host. You talked about some tech things that you do to make an effort. Yeah. It's a fun show. I yeah. think people would like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard a couple minutes of it. <laughs> Adam's acting jealous about a show that Uxbridge Shimoda is the production company on. I'm not acting uh, jealous at all. I'm acting oblivious. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which are often confused by my friends and family. <laughs> well, Adam, there's a lot of confusion on today's episode for one Tuvok the Vulcan. Do you want to get into season two, episode 16? Mood. <laughs> Are we just bringing Kevin in to, to introduce all our episodes? Like, we have so few reasons to have Kevin on the show anymore <laughs> that maybe that should just be what we do. <laughs> just <laughs> his title reads Is this really all you want me to do? I mean, I drove across Delta Runner 4. <laughs> To, to do, and what's weirdest of all is that, like, I read one title. You couldn't give me like a sheet full of titles. You get me in hair, hair and makeup and wardrobe, and this you just have me say a single syllable word. Why? It's hardly worth my time. <laughs> Crewman Suter didn't just kill one member of the engineering team. Well, actually, he did just kill the one. He killed the morale of all engineers everywhere. <laughs> Course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. So this episode opens in Sandrine's, where Tom and Harry are like uh, shooting some pool, and it winds up being like that. Tom is like trying to hustle his best bud, Harry, and then they shift into a thing where Tom Paris is running a numbers racket on the ship. I feel like a related idea to no bits on tips is no bets on friends yeah that's how you start some fights it can really fuck a friendship up yeah you don't want to do that yeah i had a bet like that once with a a buddy where i bet you know those shake weights oh yeah i i picked one of those up one time and somebody said like 
give me give me shake weight for a minute like go as hard as you can for a minute and just see how long you last uh-huh. and I, I i tapped out at like 20 seconds i was like shocked at how difficult it was and i think it was just like a really beefy shake weight but i tried to pull the same i tried to pay that forward uh-huh and like we were, I was in, I was on a shoot, we were shooting in an office building and there was a shake weight on somebody's At desk. At shake weight HQ. This is one of your jobs. <laughs> and I said is to my- Is shake weight HQ like a skyscraper that's just like <laughs> slowly vibrating all the time? Yeah. They don't have elevators. You just kind of like slot yeah. up a floor. Oh. You just have to jump. <laughs> but I bet my buddy, he like, you know, like go for a minute. Like I bet you can't. And he picks up this shake weight. I think I put money on the table too. I think I was like 20 bucks. Oh boy. And it was like a cinch. And I was like, oh, this is like a weak ass shake weight. And he's like, Sh-. he's like, no, it isn't. Pay up. And I was like, fuck. Wow. And, and I felt and like a real schmuck. That was why you hate gambling to this day. <laughs> to this day. That was your one bad beat. That was my, the one time I ever gambled. And uh, I've regretted it ever since. This patter that Kim and Paris get into leads to the creation of a kind of warp Kino game, <laughs> wherein the idea is you make a bet on the numbers that the warp core throws the next day, having to do with some sort of measurement. Right. I wasn't too clear on this. It doesn't really matter what specific numbers they are, but they're it's randomized. It's babble that nobody has control over. It's random enough to where it feels like a game of chance here. Yeah. And the currency are replicator rations. This is yeah. like the one thing that is scarce on the ship. So... Uh, this seems to be a non-physical item, right? The ration is just a thing in your account because we never right. see like chips or anything yeah it must just be that like the computer does some kind of like biometric authentication when you walk up to the replicator and and you say replicator code one 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 alpha one you know what but part of the fun of a basement cockfight scene in a film or whatever (laughs) is like the guy with the cigarette hanging off of his lower lip collecting all of the paper money yeah and he and and it's like how does he keep the cigarette on his lower (laughs) lip while he dabs the tip of his pencil on his tongue to take down the bets in his little steno pad that's what i'm saying like the outro to this scene or the subsequent scenes having to do with the gambling like the lineup of people pressing their thumb into paris's pad or something would be almost (laughs) as satisfying right yeah yeah that would be good oh like like the payments that people do on uh in quark's bar yeah with the thumbprint also speaking of people with cigarettes dangling off of their lower lips Sandrine's is an imperfect simulation of a French pool hall, right? That right. place, you shouldn't be able to see three feet in front of you in there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is also, though, shot in that part of the 90s where like, there was a concerted effort in Hollywood to only yeah. depict smoking when a bad, undesirable person was doing it. Right. Like, we really got to clean up our... Use I mean, of smoking as a thing that looks cool. Why not stick a cigarette in B-Dunks' face then? Yeah. You know? If that's the sort of vibe he's to project, if it's his program. Yeah. This was an interesting episode, B-Dunks-wise, because it did seem like he was showing more of his rebellious side than mm-hmm. he has in a long time. Yeah. A real Pex bad boy quality. Yeah. He's, he's really nogging it. And, uh-huh. uh... I thought that was interesting. It's uh, also interesting is the little dusting of concern about Hogan, the Makewees, working in the warp core. There's some like, hey, do you know what's wrong with this thing, Hogan? 
And he's like, no, oh, couldn't tell you. The manifold just won't fire up. Like BLT does not, sus- nobody suspects him but us. You know, this is one of those, the camera is seeing more than the crew is seeing kind of thing. <laughs> this is a great moment in the episode because like we're, we're in on Hogan and his face. And I'm like, what an interesting face Hogan's got. I wonder what his, oh my God, that's Brad Dourif. <laughs> <laughs> like he completely takes over my thoughts as soon as he's on screen. <laughs> and yeah. I forgot completely about Hogan after that moment. Yeah, but like Hogan is going to be a slow burn. And I really like that. Like yeah. in a way that it sort of feels like this Tom Paris thing may be starting a slow burn. Like it's just a remember this is going on. In the episode. Yeah, don't forget about Hogan is what you're saying. (laughs) As a Voyager viewer, I should be prepared for like a long arc with him. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Hogan. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he looks like someone that would have a theme song like that. When the camera pans to Brad Dourif, you know from watching television and movies for the last 20 years, you're going to be in for a rough ride. <laughs> That's because he's built a career out of playing suspects number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's uh, was he's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as kind of like the sweetheart, but I feel like he is... Only a sweetheart by comparison to everyone else in that movie, right? That is a good description for a lot of the characters he plays. He's in a lot of movies where the story is rough and tumble, and he may not be the worst of the bunch. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Grima Wormtongue. Bad guy, but he's <laughs> no Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So that is just a wordless shot of him in engineering. He's a guy that has been working there this entire time. Surprise! Yeah. Have we just not noticed? Yeah. I, I feel like you notice a Brad Dourif. <laughs> By the way, Ben, uh, happy Calrec mm. to you if you if you celebrate. Yeah, and uh, just happy holidays if you don't, you know. <laughs> that is, I mean, if the war on Calrec people have their way, that's all <laughs> anyone will be saying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's gotten so commercialized. It's like it you get it from both ends, right? Cuz like some people just want to cancel it entirely because yeah. they're socialists and then <laughs> the you know, from the other side it's it's become so commercialized right. that it's like you're you got to spend a, a a fortune just to just to mourn and atone. But it's the Calrex season. There is no Calrex season. It seems like we get a Neelix and Tuvok scene in most episodes. Yeah. This is one that starts in a way that you you don't often want to do the let me tell you what I know about your culture conversation (laughs) with anyone. It never goes well. It's not a good icebreaker. Yeah. And Neelix is doing this here to Tuvok. Yeah. He has been reading the Wikipedia entry on important days in the Vulcan calendar. He wants to make a... uh, a Rumiri themed day in the in the lunchroom. Right. <laughs> and Rumiri is a, a super horny Vulcan holiday that hasn't been celebrated for o- over a thousand years, according to Tuvok. Oh, really? Yeah. I That was a uh, fact that escaped me. Yeah. In that moment. What I, I think I was probably just distracted by uh, Neelix's slowly floating contact lenses. <laughs> because when Neelix is describing lube-covered semi-nude Vulcans, like, <laughs> the look in his eyes feels more deranged as those contact lenses start moving around <laughs> in, in his eye sockets. <laughs> They're like dogs in the Goodfellas painting. Yeah. 
nothing really gets under Tuvok's skid like Neelix. And the the image of horny justice style Vulcans. Yeah. Nice planet. A, a fun way to to bust Tuvok's chops. The Vulcans are lubed. <laughs> They're lubed. But uh, Tuvok gets called down to engineering by BLT, and uh, she opens a hatch and shows him the hand of a dead. Oh, it's got to smell so bad in there. <laughs> On this season of This Old House, <laughs> our project home is in pretty bad shape. <laughs> the ship's constantly running out of fuel. The morale officer is a horny creep. <laughs> And they're starting to find bodies in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) The insurance company is really going to be on us about what they cover and what they don't as we fix these plasma burns all throughout the back half of the ship. I'm Rich Trithui, and on this episode I'll be attending a Vulcan Rumiri festival, (laughs) where I'll be partially stripped and dipped in lubricant. (laughs) A segment which, for some reason, will last a full ten minutes of this 22-minute episode. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Darwin, the crewman in question, should have been vaporized, and he would have been. Something short-circuited in the EPS conduit or whatever. If you were an engineer and you knew there was a conduit that just vaporized anything that went into it, I mean, I'd be using that all the time, right? (laughs) It's the perfect crime. Yeah. That's what Adam is looking for in life, is the perfect crime. I'm not looking to use it for criminal activities. I'm looking to use it for uh, chore activities. Mm. Like, I'm going to dump my garbage into it. Right. When you finish your Starfleet issue shampoo and conditioner, you just chuck the bottles in the vaporization chamber. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to recycle them, Adam? You don't want to put them back in the replicator so that somebody else can use that matter? Is that how it works <laughs> on, a, on a starship? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. It, it's all made of shit. That's what we learned on Star yeah, Trek Discovery. Yeah, they're beaming the poops out of butts, and it yeah. just so happens that somebody has ordered a plate of spaghetti at that very moment, and that's what materializes. It's pretty good for shit. Not only is the shampoo and conditioner shit, also the bottle it comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Doc Holoday is doing the, like, forensic pathologist role in this episode a lot of the time. And he's explaining, like, this guy got bonked on the noggin. You know, you could try to make the case that this was a, he slipped and hit his head and then almost got vaporized. If you want, Mr. Tuvok, but that's just not what the evidence says. This is a, he got clubbed and then shoved in there. And it's pretty definitive. And I thought it was surprising that it wasn't Tuvok and the captain for the scene. Yeah, you'd think the captain would be on a call like this involving the death of a crew person. I'm busy, Mr. Tuvok. You take care of this. (laughs) This is a great moment in the economics of Star Trek also, because all you see from the POV perspective of that EPS conduit is like charred hand. Yeah. And in the background of this scene, it's just body under sheet. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, they just got like some folded up clothes from the wardrobe department and yeah. <laughs> draped a sheet over it. Yeah, there's not even a body under the sheet. It's just pillows. Yeah. They got one of those 12 foot skeletons from Home Depot and they were like, yeah, we're going to have to put this really far back in the scene because it looks weird how big it is. <laughs> <laughs> there's a McLaughlin group that follows where they sort of share the findings of... What they're talking about in Six Bay, it's Tuvok, Chakotay, 
Janeway and a late arriving BLT. Sorry, I'm late. And uh, it doesn't take long before Brad Dourif is uh, suspect number one. It sticks in Chicote's craw when when his name gets floated. He's like the other person that was on duty at the time, and he kind of has to be coaxed to say what what this brings up in him. Like the captain is like, "You clearly have a big reaction to Mister Suter coming up. What's what's that about?" And uh, Chicote is like, "Yeah, it seems like he uh, seems like he may have joined the Maquis for the killing and not for the political reasons." Yeah, he. <laughs> He was a real uh, police officer, not doing it for the protect and serve reasons yeah, of yeah. police officery. You know, like in the academy, he kept asking, when are we going to learn how to slide over the hood of a car mm-hmm. and yell no time for backup? Yeah. And that just kind of freaked us all out, you know? Chicote's like, look, we put dangerous people next to the warp core all the time. <laughs> this is just that. <laughs> Remember that killer robot? He was even closer than this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Chicote goes all in on uh, God like they really gave uh, Robert Beltran like a moment here to luxuriate in his description of Brad Dura's character which I love this is one of the great moments of the episode he's like yeah you know he's a he's a creepy ass betazoid with those dark beady shark eyes <laughs> and uh, for some reason he has it out for the Cardis but we learned in Deep Space Nine like Cardassia occupied Beta Z for a while and at no point is that brought up as a reason for him to be grinding his axe oh i wonder if that happened post the voyager leaving yeah because because i don't remember exactly how it lines up it would elegantly tie in though it would it would but like what if what if brad Dourif's character gets back to the alpha quadrant and finds out he is even more of an axe to grind with the cardassians and we'll get to that at the end of the episode But uh, yeah, so so we get to meet this guy. We, we we just got kind of like a deep background shot of him before, but now we get the confrontation. And those... he's even more threatening in a single than he is in that deep, deep distance. Yeah. And I feel like those Betazoid eyes being played in a creepy way is something that they tiptoed up to in Tin Man. Tin Man. But right. this is really pegging the needle for how freaky that is as a look. I mean, like like. Limp Bizkit really capitalized on this thing that Star Trek discovered. Oh, with the West Borland <laughs> contacts? Yeah. 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 Yeah, those are intense. Yeah. What's funny is, like, the natural resting face of this actor, though, is, like, very eyes open, very expressive in that way, and not in a cartoonish way. Yeah. He is arresting in this scene. Yeah. And being arrested in this scene. Yeah. He is both. <laughs> he is, uh, you know, he initially deny, deny, denies. And then Tuvok gets called down to Six Bay and the doc has some DNA evidence. The corpse had Suter's DNA in it. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Gross. So he fucked the other engineer, Ben. <laughs> he fucked the the hole he clocked in the guy's head. Ah, uh, evidently there's a difference between skulls getting crushed and skulls crushed by falling into other things. That was a bit of science I learned in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two different uh, fracture patterns. Good to know. Yeah, both equally fuckable to mm-hmm. a uh, to a Brad Dourif character. <laughs> what if you hit somebody with a floor though? Would that 
make That's the, what I'm saying. the fracture pattern that you want. Yeah. I'm just, I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't have any plans on what murdering anybody the for the record. This is not a true crime podcast <laughs> where Ben and Adam plan and execute murders. <laughs> like if, if the pipe from the North door fell off <laughs> of the wall and hit someone below versus someone running into it and dying. <laughs> Could you really tell the difference? Yeah. The North Door is a venue that we've played a, a few times in Austin, Texas on tour. And uh, this may be a good time to talk about the fact that 2021 will not be a year in which the greatest generation goes on tour. But we were talking about booking some shows maybe for later next year. You thought vetoes were done with TNG. <laughs> I played my last veto and it actually hit. <laughs> and a thing I still have mixed feelings about. Yeah, well, we don't want to uh, we don't want to be party to the uh, propagation of a virus that is wrecking a lot of lives. And I thought your your veto was well taken. No counter veto from you though. But the Austin show, yeah, they have uh, there's a green room where there's like a low hanging. I want to say like sewer drain pipe right at the exit to the green room door. It's, and it's not just strike your forehead, though. It's like strike you in the face low. It's it's it is, but but also like high enough that you could accidentally do that. Yeah. And you and I like we just have a practice when we play that room every time. We're either going into or coming out of the green room, reminding each other, do not hit your head on the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. North Door, the site of uh, some of our favorite shows, for sure. Totally. That was the Lime Show, the famous Lime Show. Oh, yeah. And I think that that might have been the first time I had to leave the stage to take a piss. <laughs> Did you? Was that but when that you was, threw the Lime? That was also the show where we brought our entire green room beverage cart like up to the stage, and we were like <laughs> mixing drinks on stage for each other. That was the same show. I drank too much. I didn't like too much... Not to get drunk, but like too much to use the bathroom. I had to leave to right. to go take a bio. Yeah. And when I came back, you would run the show superbly without <laughs> me. This is a show that doesn't need me, clearly. Yeah. I get back to the stage and it's time for another drink. I grab a, a lime segment and I throw it into your glass from like five feet away. Yeah. It was a miracle shot. It was it was unbelievable. Is why don't we film these? It was the best moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> of my life wow i'm not telling your wife about that <laughs> remark <laughs> really like the mood lighting in the, in the scene where uh, brad Dourif confesses to the crime i i thought it was a very guiltily lit room yeah very very moody and and we've talked about like dark on voyager not looking great necessarily yeah, yeah. Uh, this looked great on Agreed. my TV. Yeah, um, for whatever reason, the telecine worked for, yeah. this, for this moment. But uh, his explanation for why is Crewman uh, uh, Darwin looked at me funny, basically. I, I did him because he looked at me funny. Yeah. And by did him, I mean killed him and then fucked his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got dome from the back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the creepiest dome i think yeah if you can see it from the front wait till yeah. you see it from the back <laughs> <laughs> that was a real doja cat murder <laughs> tuvok doesn't have to say anything 
for this crewman to just go on and on mm-hmm. about how he felt before, during, and after. It's one of those Law and Order episodes where you're like, we are less than a third of the way into this. What is going to happen now? And Tuvok tries to get a word in edgewise a couple times. Like, you want some counsel for this? <laughs> Do you want to, like, hit the brakes on, yeah. uh, on this at any point? Because I, it's within your right. I only read you the first of your <laughs> rights, sir. I have, like, a bunch more to get through. And you're just, you just keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Brad Dourif's reasons for murder are very, uh, very Brad Dourif-y if you, if you follow his work. If, if you're a fan. Yeah. If, if you celebrate. <laughs> if you celebrate his entire catalog. <laughs> uh, none of this is very unfamiliar. Yeah. We get a breakdown of his, like, psych profile also. Yeah. From Doc Holliday, who kind of describes him as being, like, roughly Maquis standard issue in terms of psych profile. Yeah, as an explanation, like the question, the overarching question is, why is this guy working next to the warp core? And the explanation is, he's just like every other Maquis. Like, there's <laughs> nothing about his file that reads as unusual. There's coffee and volunteering for the Maquis. He's got the violent tendencies that Chicote has, that Bellana Torres has. Half Native American, half Betazoid. Combination. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then you know, you like you. That just sounds like an innocuous remark, but by the end, he's fucking pumping lead into your computer system. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, your weird racialization of him does yeah. not go over well. I mean, years of feeling a resentment toward the warp core, knowing deep down that the mind is the best weapon, <laughs> is the best propulsion system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I've got to get that platinum, get that low enlargement. <laughs> One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. 
Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that Latin Are you planning a heist? Gold. So Suter is in jail. He gets put in the brig. Is and... that his name? Yeah. Okay. Also, a.k.a. Brad Dourif. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a.k.a. the real Brad Dourif. <laughs> <laughs> is that his Twitter handle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And somehow he got he kept his Twitter handle in jail and is just spouting off crazy shit from there. Yeah. Anyways, he can't satisfy Tuvok on this uh why he did it question. Tuvok comes down and is like, I'm just I like I can't I can't sleep. It's killing me. I gotta know what what you did it. Every crime has to have a an internal logic. Some men aren't looking for anything logical. Suter Describes himself as kind of a tragic type of Betazoid. Most Betazoids can feel other people's feelings and he can't even find his own. Which, like, they talk about is he a psychopath or not in the psycho eval conversation. And, and the doctor is like, no way. Like, that's not him. That's that's not what's wrong with him. And I thought it was interesting that they come back to that, like, I don't feel the things that... I feel like I'm supposed to feel. Do you feel remorse? <laughs> I don't seem to feel anything at all. And that makes him seem like so much more of a threat. That disconnection from feelings yeah. makes him an extremely dangerous person. Really does. So Tuvok, kind of dissatisfied, walks out of the brig, stomps down the hall, and then... Does a thing that I do all the time, which is like he walks down the hall and then he's like, fuck, I forgot my keys and right. turns around and walks back. Yeah. He propositions Brad Dura for a mind meld and Brad Dura's like, well, what do I need to know? And then Tuvok is in with those hands. <laughs> That's the only opening he needs. Yeah. And it is meld eyes to commercial. We don't get to find out what happened here for a while because the next scene is in Sandrine's where we get the computer reading the bingo numbers. Yeah. And uh, no winner today. Oh. <laughs> Big disappointment. One of those B storylines that has like four little updates throughout the episode. Yeah. Where I was just like, oh, right. This is also happening. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those classic deep Bs. Yeah. 
that we've gotten occasionally over the years. I've heard of deep V's, but this is a deep B. No one won except for Paris. That's because Paris is taking a skim for for the administration of this lottery. Yeah, I mean, Paris has read a couple of books about casinos that went bankrupt, and it just seems insane to him. Yeah, I mean, there's no possible way anyone with any amount of intelligence could run a casino into the ground. Like, casinos are a license to print money, basically. The house always wins is like the main thing about casinos. So if you if you bust running the casino... If you lose as the house, it must mean you are a profound idiot. Just galactically stupid. Yeah. So... Yeah. Weird. But, uh, but Paris is not that dumb. No. He's making it happen. We cut to the ready room with Janeway and Tuvok, and Tuvok's there to give her the post-meld report. Yeah. We don't see see too much during this meld. It's just the after. The refractory meld period yeah. is where we're in right now. Tuvok really seems like he is struggling to hold it together. And I thought that this was a really nice bit of acting by Tim Russ because it's I, this is like maybe like act drunk a little bit where the subtle things that he's doing to indicate that Tuvok is not all right are subtle enough mm-hmm. that you could believe that Janeway would miss them. And I think that's hard to do. I think this has been a really strong Janeway season. Like she has rocketed up my charts of Starfleet captains yeah. just by virtue of her performance because of her choices in season two. But the last few episodes or the last few groups of episodes, she's been made to be opposed to a crew person who does not appreciate her by the bookness. Yeah. This is a recent thing with her. And this is a scene that goes like that because when Janeway is like, yeah, we don't execute people on a Starfleet ship. Like that should be obvious to everyone involved. But not only do they not execute the idea is to like stick Brad Dourif in his nicely appointed quarters and just have him ride out the rest of the mission. This seems especially gross to not just Tuvok in this scene, but I think to us generally, I, I know I felt that way. Like, is that really all we can do about this guy? It feels unjust. I mean, Tuvok is writing for the, you know, what would the victim's family think? Would, would they be satisfied with that decision? Right. But... I think that, man, this is like one of my favorite things about Star Trek is that the higher morals are standard issue in the future. And somebody arguing for the death penalty is an outlier. Tuvok eventually comes around to like, hey, like exigent circumstances, we're in the D-quad. We can't just cart Mm -hmm. this guy around or leave him in the brig forever. Let's just punch his ticket and be done with it. And the like moral repugnance of that to Janeway is treated as what we as a viewer should be feeling. And I think that if art can influence politics, it is through things like this. Show Mm -hmm. us a way of thinking that doesn't involve retributive justice. And Tuvok is kind of, I feel like the implication of this scene is that the retributive justice stuff that is coming out of Tuvok is partly because of the meld, partly because he's mm-hmm. got the poison pill in his mind. Sure. And it is it is not the acceptable position in the scene. And I, like, this is one of the reasons I fell in love with Star, Star Trek, you know? You asked for an ideal future and there it sits. 
I'm not riding for Tuvok or his argument here about fitting this guy for a torpedo casing. <laughs> but I was shocked at how little voice was given to the idea of the resource question about this. This is a guy with skills like we can't find like stick him in his quarters or whatever, but like have him make license plates or something like we're killing crew people every week on the show. Like yeah. he's a guy that can do some things and the utter waste of sticking him in his quarters for the rest of the cruise yeah. did not sit well with me at all. And it's not that I was riding for him to die. I was riding for them to do something with him. That wasn't that. Yeah. I mean, I wondered, could he do remote work from his, could he do some of his engineering stuff from the and just zoom in you know what i'd re i'd really actually prefer if brad duraf could turn off his camera for the zoom call <laughs> like his eyes are just really creeping out everyone in the meeting <laughs> one of the things they talk about in this scene is like he should have had like the wharf workout tape he's been out here and he just hasn't he's like Got a bit of a killer instinct, and, and it's just too bad that we haven't had enough opportunities for him to kind of blow off that steam. Yeah, why wasn't he on the Seska mission at all? Take he would have been very motivated. Like, if Chakotay had been, like, walking down to the shuttle bay and then been like, finger up in the air. Yeah. Hold on one second. I think I know a guy. Grab He's got a particular set of skills that makes <laughs> him a nightmare for people like Seska. <laughs> Especially now that he knows her true uh, planet of origin. Yeah. You're right about Tim Russ's performance here. And I think he found just the right tone, yeah. especially in this part of the episode, because he walks out of this meeting with a kind of about to cry face, which is a look that we've not seen at all from this actor on this show. And it foreshadows what's to come for sure. I In this scene wrote the note, Tuvok is going to kill Neelix. Yeah. And uh, we get a scene that is revealed to be the classic Voyager holodeck switcheroo, but it's a a pickup of that C storyline where Neelix has dedicated himself to making Tuvok smile, where Neelix is actually using his fingers to push up the sides of Tuvok's mouth. Just a little itty bitty smile. Just let the mouth curl a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think this was a new technology that Tuvok was using that was specific for this moment in his life? Or is this a regular program that he uses all the time? <laughs> yeah. Because he ropes so hard after killing Neelix here. <laughs> and you know he doesn't even need to touch it because Vulcan's like can tantric blast, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're Vulcan, you probably can't use your hands, right? After the first guy accidentally melded with his dick. Yeah. And then he was just found. <laughs> Vulcan found yeah, you, melding his dick. You think melding with Brad Dourif will break your mind? <laughs> Try melding with your own dick. You know what's crazy about that news story is that the Vulcans read the newspaper or see it on the news and they don't feel anything about it because yeah. that's just their way. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, numbers racket, if it creams, it leads. That's that's the <laughs> that's the rule for the Vulcan news agency. Vulcan local television news. Yeah. <laughs> Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. In the numbers racket B storyline. 
The hammer comes down, and Chakotay is the one to bring it. Computer, there won't be any more winners. Chakotay is the Ron Rifkin from Boiler Room here, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) You started a backroom card game, Paris. Uh, if you really, if you need somebody to be a cold bucket of water in this show, Chicote is always willing to do that. What's so weird about this scene is that Paris is caught, and Paris gets reported. Yeah, but Paris takes a swing at Chicote's balls on his way out the door. Yeah, and Chicote just eats it. You're on report. Now there's a tough job. This and I, I did not saying. understand that about the like, like Paris's rebellious side coming out and like. I wonder, like, it feels like this is setting something up over a longer story arc in a way that, like, no other Star Trek show would have the commander walk out after a lieutenant made a comment like that. It made me wonder, and this is is a scene that could have had so much chess in it about this moment. Mm -hmm. We never cut back to the wide shot, really, after the punishments doled out. Yeah. You mean of of Paris being destroyed in space? (laughs) Because I feel like if Chakotay goes in and levels his punishment on Paris, and then Paris hits Chakotay in the nuts afterwards, if the reason that Chakotay doesn't respond is if everyone's looking at him and he knows the morale hit that he takes if he goes any further, I think it makes a lot of sense. But I feel like that wider shot, by not having that a part of this sequence... I think you lose some of the reasoning why Chakotay doesn't defend himself here in a way that I think is within his power. Do you think it's just that Chakotay, because like what he says is like nobody that's bet their replicator rations clearly needs them, so yeah. those are being confiscated. Do you think he just walks out and he's just got all the replicator rations? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's the... He goes back to his room and is just replicating shit left and right. He's the RA that confiscates your booze, but you never see him pour it out. Yeah, yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think Paris is a lower class citizen than even the Mayquis on board? Do you think it goes Starfleet, Mayquis, Paris? I kind of do. I mean, there's some comments about Tuvok in this episode about like how much the makers kind of hate him for having been a, yeah. a spy in their midst yeah and the idea that paris was once and then was in federation jail and is now like super loyal to the captain may kind of hit the same way yeah i'm gonna keep an eye on that going forward i hope that's sort of a longer arc yeah so uh, at this point Tuvok is not holding it together any longer. The the violence shoe is on the other foot and he meets up with Brad Dourif who is is now like fully speaking like a Vulcan. Yeah. Talking about how much he admires the way Tuvok cuz he got he you know some meld always rubs off on the other party. You always smell like meld after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Tuvok is like hey like I could I could teach you how to do this it's like one of these things where you dedicate yourself to a pretty strict lifestyle of meditation and exercise and and y- you too can live like a Vulcan it's attractive isn't it have you thought about going vegan <laughs> Brad Dourif's like no fuck no no not worth it nope Forget it. Have you ever tasted a really good French omelet, Tuvok? If you had, you wouldn't be talking this kind of bullshit. (laughs) It's all shit anyway. (laughs) 
Yeah. I guess nobody in Star Trek is vegan because it's all yeah. human butt byproduct. Yeah. Gross as hell. <laughs> so Brad Dourif wants to meld again. Can't wait to do it. He's like, meld me, daddy, basically. Yeah, and Tuvok isn't into it. And then Brad Dourif is like, you know, meld really is violent, isn't it? I watched Star Trek Six. Yeah. I can see, I've seen how it goes sometimes. He really just says the subtext of the scene in Star Trek Six in yeah. this scene as yeah. text. He's like, you're book violence smart. I'm street violence smart. Yeah. We could, be, we could team up. We could do a lot of stuff. Maybe yeah. If you want to really want to execute me. You could meld me to death. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Great casting. Brad Dourif. So fucking Perfect. good. Tuvok is kind of turned on by this. Turned on enough to walk out of here and go back to his quarters, lock the door, throw away the security keys, and tells the computer to call in sick for him. <laughs> and I was so envious of this. Oh, yeah. Because... The worst part of any job is the sick call you have to make. Yeah, yeah. Am I sound... I am sick. Do I sound sick enough? You don't want them to think that you're Ferris Bueller with a keyboard full of cough sound effects on the other end of the line. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Is it serious? Yeah, but also, like, sick days are so rare that, like, you kind of want to do something on your sick day. You never get a day off. Yeah. So if you're me, you're like... Going to a movie or something, but you're sick. Yeah. That's not a thing you want to do, yeah. especially now. You don't want to spread your virus throughout the theater. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I was very envious of like, computer, call my boss. <laughs> the boss comes and pays him a, a house call. Yeah. And she walks in. She's got a dustbuster detail with her. And she walks into Tuvok's quarters where kind of a lot of glass table damage has been sustained. Yeah, it's an amount of glass table damage that can only be measured in Admiral Quinn's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's been he's really been relishing in his body and uh, has not gone well. Yeah, you see him in the corner. He's in shadow the whole time. So it's just uh, it's just voice acting. For a while in this scene. Yeah. And the captain talks him into, hey, like, you're in a lot of pain, and I think it's time to go see the doc. And I thought this was great. Like, there's so much stigma around having a mind meld break your personality and your ability to refrain from murder. Yeah. And it's just really nice to see that treated as what it is, a medical issue. I thought it was really great to see Kate Mulgrew's performance not edge into maternal. Yeah. Which it so easily could have. But this is a professional conversation between professionals. A professional who has some great concerns about one of her colleagues, sure. But I thought Kate Mulgrew's performance here was just like tone perfect. Yeah. And throughout the episode, really. Yeah, it's... An episode where she has less to do than normal, but she really fucking dunks on all of her scenes. Yeah. When Tuvok rises into frame and you see him for the first time, it looks like someone freshened up his coffee. (laughs) It really does. Yeah. She turns around and Cass is standing there. What? What are you doing here? Tim Russ is like, you guys are really fucking up my face this season. (laughs) This is my instrument. Yeah. How wet do you need me to be? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. 
lot of that this episode specifically. Yeah. So they take him to Six Bay mm-hmm. and they're going to turn off the, like, I guess they can just like individually shut down cortexes in your in your brain in Star Trek. Yeah. And so they're going to shut down the, the region of his brain that does emotional suppression. Is there anything that a couple of things on your temples can't do in Star Trek? <laughs> they're really magical. Yeah. You're going to hook up a visor to him. Yeah. I kept expecting him to hook up a visor with those with those blinking red lights on his temples. The idea that the doc is proposing here is like, we can reboot his violent tendencies if we can just turn off his ability to suppress them for a couple of minutes. It's yeah. like rebooting the system. Once it comes back online, he'll have his defenses back again. This is a form of therapy that, that he's proposing. And he's just like, he's following like the Vulcan medical playbook. This is the indicated treatment for when this happens to a Vulcan. Right. And so they do it. And once roping in the holodeck fails, <laughs> this is the next step. And they're like, Erect a force field so that if he ropes, it doesn't get on us. <laughs> Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. So Tuvok comes to very emotionally. Wow, what a scene. This is Tim Russ's one man show here. Fuck. It's <laughs> great. I was really feeling this. I thought he yeah. did a great job. How do you feel? I feel. I mean, it's got to be so weird to be like going to work every day and the thing you have to do at work as an actor is be as unemotional as possible. Yeah. And then just say like, hey, turn on a dime and bring everything to the surface. Hold nothing back. I mean, I felt a ton of feelings thinking about that. Like you go to work with someone that you have some very strong feelings about, but you can't say anything to that person. (laughs) You just got to you got to bottle it up. Until the moment where you just explode on them. Mm. Tell them how you really feel. Until you rope on them? Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) What are you saying, Adam? This is such an interesting variation on act drunk because this is a lot like the, I've had a few and I'm a little loose with what I'm saying and it could get me into trouble later, but here's how I really feel and fuck you at the holiday party, like that that kind of vibe. But he's playing it soberly. Yeah. So it's an emotional break happening without any kind of intoxication style vibe from him. And it makes it feel even more venomous. Yeah. You disgust me. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. It feels mean and nasty. Yeah. He like really rides on that pro death penalty thing. <laughs> He refers to the other Tuvok as this regrettable yeah. side to his personality almost. Yeah. Very, very interesting. He tries to push through the force field at the end. So like, like, there's they're doing like a countdown, right? They need two minutes of this. Yeah. And so we experience those two minutes in real time. And the last 10 to 15 seconds are Tuvok trying to push through the force field before it takes him down. <laughs> Yeah. It's fun. That wouldn't have worked with one of those Mokra force fields. That would, that would have rocketed him across the room. Yeah, that would have been a bad time. But, you don't uh, want to rope into a Mokra force field. <laughs> no, it'll shoot a lightning bolt up your dong. It's going to be a mess. <laughs> so they resedate him. He goes down. He's going to sleep it off. But he wakes up in the middle of the night. 
And he pulls off his temple chips. And I think he like pulls a, a piece of like a like a collar stay off of one of them to to It looked totally like a collar stay. Yeah. And he and he like gets a gets a conduit off of the wall and like shoves it against the force field. He's he, making cool inventions out of raw materials, Ben. Yeah. I use household materials, but that's just because I don't have access to raw materials. I miss I miss said it, but I miss said it as a joke at you. <laughs> Never gonna live it down. You this is unforgivable. Like I under this is a moment in Star Trek where like we need to make it this way so that we can advance the story, but there's no reason why Doc Holliday can't just be standing there guarding him watching over him in the thing like that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous he doesn't need time off there yeah they should have they should have written to oh doc holiday went to shoot ropes in the holodeck right because that's the only other place he can be (laughs) yeah he can't shoot ropes in six bay no no he's not like dr katz from lower decks no her name is dr tana exactly he does that thing where he holds the hose, though, right? Yeah. He doesn't hold the tip. <laughs> Stop holding the hose on this show. <laughs> he goes down to the brig. He uh, meets up with Brad Dourif. He's clearly neck-pinched the guard in there. I wondered at this moment if Brad Dourif has executed the world's most elaborate suicide by... Tuvok. Yeah, I thought the same. Because, like, it kind of feels like he engineered the situation to be so frustrating that yeah. Tuvok couldn't get over the murder and then would, like, be forced to kill him or something. It feels very much like he's giving himself over to Tuvok in this scene to to end his pain. Yeah, that's the pain he's chosen. And he has a pretty interesting kind of final diatribe, which is... Basically, like, I'm ready to die. You can kill me. But if you cross over, if you join me on team murder for convenience, it's not going to feel like justice. It's not going to make you feel any better. It's not going to solve the puzzle that you are trying to solve. But go ahead and fucking do it. Then we are both to die. That's just it. The but go ahead and fucking do it part is so interesting because the performance of Brad Dourif here isn't discouraging Tuvok from doing this. He's neither selling him on the idea of his new life or discouraging him from it. I thought that was a really interesting choice because on the paper, I feel like in the script, you're reading this like, oh, this is a warning. Don't join the violent side. It's bad for all these reasons. But in performance, it's so neutral. It's more a challenge than it is a warning in the performance. I think that makes him scarier as a character. Yeah, and it made me really surprised when Tuvok grabs his face. Yeah. And then even more surprised when he stops grabbing his face. Yeah. Because you feel like like, this is an episode about Tuvok coming right up to the edge of can't come back from. And I think you could argue he goes past that edge. This is a thing that Vulcan teenagers say all the time that's actually a lie like there's no such thing as blue hands <laughs> but for Tuvok to stop halfway through yeah looks kind of painful it is rather piquant looks like he's going to be suffering for the next <laughs> six to eight hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like he stops during 
And then Brad Dourif radios the bridge. He's like, hey, I know I'm not supposed to have one of these, <laughs> but you should really check on your boy Tuvok. And Chakotay's the guy on the other end. He's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got my hands full with this underground gambling ring, but uh, I'll Sorry, get to Okay, it. I'm just going to replicate a burrito and then I'm going to be right down. <laughs> not because I'm hungry, because I can. We get an elliptical log here. Janeway's like, uh, Brad Dourif, we put him on house arrest. It was my idea. If you will remember, this is my idea from the start. Yeah. Still my idea now. Yeah. This is where he, he will remain. And Tuvok is continuing with his therapy. The idea that we learn in Six Bay is that by starting and stopping the meld, this was emblematic of Tuvok getting better. Like yeah. he fought the instinct to kill. And this is a trend that will happen to him going forward. What do you think about that? Because I feel like Star Trek is a unique kind of storytelling environment where an attempted murder can be like, hey, he's getting better. <laughs> like, I feel like in any other context, this would just be like Tuvok is unredeemable. And I have a hard time with the attempted murder was an okay thing for him to do. Well, especially because they kind of slide whistled the end of this episode with a, now don't go melding without my permission again, Tuvok. And Tuvok like freeze frame, shrugged his shoulders, looks into the camera, and then we roll the credits. I couldn't believe he made eye contact. The dark ending that I wanted for this ep was sure, like slide whistle it with Janeway and... And Tuvok, with the permission thing, cut back to Brad Dourif in, in, his, in, dark his, in his dark quarters. And it doesn't matter what Brad Dourif is doing in there, but giving him the gavel to the episode. Yeah. Like, maybe he's staring out his window. Maybe he's just, like, rocking or whatever. But have him end the episode. Yeah. And I think it ends on that dark note that I think would be really effective. The thing that I... St- could not stop thinking about at the end of this episode is is brad duriff in his quarters on voyager going forward forever and will we ever yeah revisit this i want that to be true so bad i suspect that it won't be i i cannot remember one way or the other and i and i'm actually kind of glad because i feel like i can like experience it anew yeah i mean we we get the prognosis on Tuvok that he's getting better. Does Don't that... tweet me and, and spoil that for me, by the way. I'm enjoying not knowing, okay? Does it mean that there is a corresponding worsening happening to Brad Dourif's character? And this is why I wanted to cut back to him. Like, give yeah. us can he give come, us the corresponding. Can feeling. he come to the, like, Tuvok and Kess mind training sessions? Learn some Vulcan control techniques? Is he going to be working from home? Yeah, probably on a team with Lieutenant Hogan or whatever. Did you like this episode, Ben? I loved this episode. I thought this was a great episode. I felt a lot of complex feelings about it, but I think they were the friction of challenging art kind of feelings, not why did they do that corny bullshit kind of feelings. Yeah. And man, Brad Dourif, what a fucking actor. And yeah. Tim Russ too. Like Yeah, Tim Russ rules. A tour de force performance by Tim Russ yeah. that I almost wish we could have gotten just like in isolation without bringing in a world-class guest appearance 
because it was fucking great. But it was, uh, part of the greatness was them hitting off each other. Like they were rallying in a way that was like really, really fun to see. It seems to happen a lot. You bring in a world class film actor to Star Trek. And it's not that everyone rises to the level. It's that that they were always on the level. And this is just a a way to experience that. Yeah. I'm with you, Ben, on how much I like the ep. I will say I wish the episode had the strength to forego the B story entirely. I think there's enough A story here to just have it be one long line. And I know Star Trek doesn't do that a lot, especially in this era. Yeah. But leave me in the crime leave me in the darkness a little more save the the gambling story for another time yeah i don't hate the gambling story at all but yeah it also just felt like a i don't know like do we need another like cd like vice cop style story to be happening alongside this and my answer they're so dissimilar like that that's pretty weak connection if that's what the thinking was yeah like i it felt like a little a little forced and uh i agree like this the a was so strong that i would uh i would gladly hang out there the whole episode i mean if that's what they were going for it's another ball kick for chakotay because <laughs> it's tuvok is law and order criminal intent and chakotay is like law and order uh the kind they show on nickelodeon or whatever <laughs> like a, one of them law is law and order prodigy yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Yeah, it's not a good look for Chakotay and their relative abilities to solve crimes. Yeah. Well, you know what is a good look, Adam, is uh, a look at the Priority One inbox of The Greatest Generation. You want to go look in there with me? I'm looking at the Priority One messages, and it looks like you fucked quite a few in the back of the head here. (laughs) Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We got a few here. The first one is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Follow two.many.food.photos on Instagram. If you like seeing pictures of homemade pizzas with buffaloed cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and chicken, don't let the kiwi pizza scare you off. See a vegan homemade falafel plate 18 inches wide. 18 inches. Homebrewed booze. Every Thanksgiving, watch as a turkey is smoked in a makeshift smoker. Fun salads and cedar plank fire grill salmon. And if you also post too many food photos, I will follow you back. Remember, FODs, if you can eat it, it can be buffaloed. <laughs> That's amazing. Who who's responsible for this? Uh this came in from Ira the Gooch. The Gooch. The Gooch and it says uh the call to action is fuck it if I'm going to be addicted to social media I may as well lean in. You can buffalo that is the big takeaway. Man. I wonder if uh, there will ever be a Ira the Gooch Adam Ragusia crossover episode called You Can Buffalo That. Ira Raguccia. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, when you first started rattling off the foods, I was like, cool, vegetarian, vegan blog, awesome. But then started getting into smoked turkeys yeah, and, and salmon and whatnot. They're doing all the things. They're doing all the things. There's lots of yummy vegan foods. It doesn't I know. have to all be that. I'm not, I'm not disparaging the, the vegan lifestyle whatsoever. Yeah. 
I just like to eat all the things. I'm I'm omnivorous. I'm, I'm an obligate carnivore. That's like cat. That's how it's supposed to be put. I'm uh, I have to eat the meats. I have to. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It's from Kevin Uxbridge, and it's oh to Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals. You know, me as a man of special conscience, devoted to helping all people everywhere have a fulfilling sex life through my thriving real doll business. <laughs> I believe that everyone, even Hooshnock, Deserves the love I share with my wife, Rashern. <laughs> this is why I believe I'd be an ideal brand ambassador for your product. Cialis. <laughs> Thank you for your consideration. <laughs> Kevin thinking that uh, we have a much broader audience than we actually do. I mean, we have a great big audience, but Cialis my is My erection didn't just last for four hours. <laughs> It lasted for all hours everywhere. <laughs> Consult your physician if you're like me. Consult your physician if you've had an erection lasting an infinite amount of hours. <laughs> Kevin and Rashawn in side-by-side bathtubs for some reason. <laughs> In their Malibu beach house. Yeah, o- overlooking the wasteland just beyond the borders yeah. of, their, of their manicured lawn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Man. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin. He's a being with a special erection. We have one last P1 here, and it's from She Who Does Burlesque from the past, and it is to the future. It goes like this. Greetings from March 2021. By the time this is viewed, it will be the distant future. Vaccines are now mandatory, and we've gone back to anonymous hookups and orgies. If not, then I damn well better have a fully functional android boy toy, or I'm going to freak the fuck out. May your Shimodas always be drunk, your V's deep, and your bases flared. Wow. We have a fairly large viewership in the burlesque community, yeah. I'm, I'm proud to say. I feel like this is not the first P1 that She Who Does Burlesque has gotten. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless there's more than one She Who Does Burlesques out there. We've met a few burlesque pros while we've done live shows. Yeah. Always a delight. Yeah, that rules. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to say that the future that She Who Does Burlesque is predicting has not come to pass. Gotta be tough to be in the burlesque industry these days. Yeah. Much like us not getting to do a 2021 tour, folks who do uh, burlesque and sex work of all all types are uh, in a really tough spot right now, and uh, that sucks. My pasties are just for my own enjoyment. Yeah. Not anyone else's. I sadly put them on every morning. (laughs) Before I leave the house. Listen, fellas, I'm like you. I put my pasties on one nipple at a time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, no matter what your profession or interest... Speaking of nipples, have you seen this picture that's going around the Drunk Shimoda Discord? No. We it's took, a nipple picture? There's a picture of us from Star Trek Las Vegas holding up a, a friendship necklace that somebody got us. I knew this picture would get us in trouble. <laughs> Somebody photoshopped my nipple into the middle of my chest. 
Right where I had that nub in that time. Also photoshopped are all of the wristbands on my arm. <laughs> I think there's there's several. They said that there are five things that have been changed in this photo, and I I, I love I that. haven't found all five, but uh, it's. It's a it's a real fucked up picture. We had a good time at Star Trek Las Vegas. Oh, look, you got extra fingers. Looks like. Oh yeah, I got extra fingers. You got a uh, you get the same gap in your teeth that I have in mine, and I have no gap in my teeth. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And see, it's starting to see some some more things. You see what happens when you and I get involved in our own social media posts. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Bill would never allow that to happen. Bill would never have let a nip slip go up on our, on yeah. our Insta. Yeah. Yeah, we gave Bill the month off. Yeah. Well, no months off for the Priority One messages. You can submit yours by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And that's because Priority One messages support the production of our show. We really appreciate it. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? I don't know, man. I mean, I want to believe Brad Dourif's going to be on the show some more times. But in the case that he's not, he deserves representation as a drunk Shimoda. Yeah. So I I kind of want to just give him the honorary Shimoda here in case there are no other opportunities. You got to hope that he's having fun doing this. Yeah. And But also, like, based on literally every Brad Dourif performance I've ever seen... <laughs> I wonder if he's having fun. Yeah. Or if this is just a trauma he's processing. Yeah, I worry about him sometimes. <laughs> he's so great. Yeah. You fucking crushed this episode, and uh, I think I'm going to join you in your assessment of Brad Dourif as the drunk Shimoda of my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, BD. Well, Adam, we got to find out what the next episode is and how we will be doing it. I'm looking here. It's uh, season two, episode... 17, Dreadnought, Torres races against time to stop a deadly self-guided missile on a collision course with disaster? I like this. I like a race against time episode. I do too. Collision course with disaster could be disastrous. That should be the name of the episode. What are they doing? I think we're going to have to watch it to find out. But uh, to find out how we're going to watch it. I'm going to turn to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, where we are currently on square 19. We just snuck past a quark's bar there, but we still have a uh, his eyes uncovered mm-hmm. square out ahead and a uh, banger. Oh, did we hit that banger last time? I we think did. That, I, think that, I think that's why. That's hit. why we're slumming it down on the first two rows still. Yeah. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Well, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone, and uh, we'll see what I hit. Chula! Did I win? I rolled a one, so we're on square 20. Still Regular old episode. Still in second row. Yeah. But, uh, but it should be a, a fun episode. They albeit, always are. Albeit regular. Yeah. You know? Adam would kill to be regular. I would. <laughs> I would, but we're enjoying some cocktails right now. This is a regular episode. We're still having a great time. We're having a we're having a blast. Yeah, um, look at my face. I'm really enjoying this. Just not really getting that from the facial expression I see right now. When you go back and edit this episode, you're going to hear 
how often I laughed heartily. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of. <laughs> that was that was very hurtful at Star Trek Las Vegas. We weren't there performing, but you had a performance, Ben, and your performance was Adam laughing. <laughs> yeah, this is my new comedy technology: is do Adam laughing. <laughs> it would be hurtful if it wasn't so truthful. Yeah, yeah. Since it's true, it, it doesn't hurt at all, right? No, no. Not right over the, the plate. Good. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't want to hurt you, buddy. Oh, that's impossible. All right. Well, we got to say goodbye for now. We got to thank all of the friends of DeSoto who support the show at MaximumFun.org slash join or by doing things like recommending the show to a friend or leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we got to thank Bill Tilly, our social media yeah. director. Almost time for him to come back to work. Yeah, up to see I, if he hasn't changed his number. Well, he'll be he'll be he'll have been back for a couple of weeks by the time this goes to air. You hope so. You Maybe hope he's so. enjoying his time off so much yeah. he doesn't come back. Hey, uh, take a hike, you bozos. Yeah, he he could do better than us. Yeah, <laughs> we know it. Yeah, we do. Um, we got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the theme music for the program, and Dark Materia, who made the Picard song. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Hey, hey. Hey, you want to see a picture of a nipple? <laughs> uh, our Discord at DrunkShimoda.com is basically porn in the woods. <laughs> yeah, you can probably find a picture of a nipple there if Jay Poop. Jay Poop says that there's a worse version of this also. Cool. Yeah, so who knows? Uh, <laughs> don't go to there. <laughs> Are you... Is this, is this a warning for the Discord? We've had such affection for the, the Discord up it, until now. Yeah, but if there's a worse version of this picture... Oof. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be. It's a pretty bad picture. Pretty bad. If you want to see the original version of that picture, follow the Greatest Trek Instagram account, or follow us on uh, Twitter, at Greatest Trek. Yeah, it's something you and I have had some fun with over the last month. Indeed. With that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where we start to feel really bad about some of the missiles we've fired over the course of our career. Mm. Yeah, speaking of missile, you got your third nipple showing. <laughs> you button up the, the top button of that shirt, dude. Oh, yeah, shit. Make it so. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.